Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. As always, I am your host, Justin Russo. Joining me, as usual, Tomer Azarli of Clutch Points. Tomer, what you been up to? How's the world treating you these days? Real life's treating me well. The video game world has not been because Call of Duty is out, and that means my life is a wreck. But other than that, the real life has been pretty good. NBA is back. We've been, you know, busy as usual. Um, you know, everyone's happy and healthy, so I can't really complain. But, um, yeah, the, the two different lives I'm living right now, video game and real life, are very different right now. But other than that, I'm doing well. God, the Call of Duty struggle is real for us right now. Yeah, I mean, you know exactly what, what I'm going through. It's uh, it's Rage City out here. Rage City, Rage City population too. So it's it's not great. It, we're having so much more fun doing co-op than we are playing multiplayer, which should tell everybody everything. It's uh, I've I've never been shotgun in the face more in my life. It's just, uh, I have so many thoughts about the game and I just don't want to get into it right now. Uh, I mean, it's fun. It's fun. I just, it's fun. It's like fun. Sitting it's in early. Is a blast. Let's right. Let, let, let's get through, <laughs> let's get, let's get through the nerfs and the buffs and then we'll see where we're at. But for now it's okay. Yeah. Like a month from now, it'll be a vastly different game. I, I, I hope at this point. Well, that's also where I hope the Clippers basketball will be vastly different from what we're seeing right now. So. Yeah, the basketball to start the season for the Clippers has not been great, but I think it should be pointed out that through all the sky is falling stuff, the Clippers are still 4-4, four and four, which is a 500 record. Um, they've won their last two games, both wins over the Houston Rockets, and yes, I can already hear people saying, but the Houston Rockets are not a good basketball team. I completely agree, but considering how the season has started for so many teams in the NBA, you kind of just have to take wins where you can get them. For instance, the Golden State Warriors have lost four in a row on a five-game road trip, including on Thursday night in Orlando to an Orlando Magic team that was previously 1-7 prior to that game. So, I don't know. I kind of feel like fans should be happy with any win of any consequence at this point of the season. You know, when you look at Golden State's 3-6, and six, the Lakers are 2-5. and five. Uh, who, Who's struggling? Minnesota's 4-4. Four and four. Miami's under five hundred. Uh, Brooklyn's under 500 Philly's under 500 like you have these supposed contenderish teams and they're all struggling I think it's okay to be struggling and 500 right no without a doubt I mean we we looked at Denver was close to 500 a couple of days ago um, Dallas was 500 as well before they beat uh, whoever it was or they were under 500 excuse me they were two and three so Everyone's going through early season struggles, as we've expected. Um, maybe, maybe a little more than some of us expected, but early season struggles, I think, were expected for a lot of teams. Whether it's championship hangover for the Warriors, whether it's you know the teams trying to acclimate new guys like Minnesota and, and the Clippers, obviously the Lakers. So, um, not nothing too surprising, but um, you know there are going to be overreactions because that's the world we live in right now. But I mean, so far we've seen we've seen some pretty. Pretty average basketball. I, I don't think any team has really stood out to me outside of the um, Milwaukee Bucks and, and Cleveland Cavaliers. I think everyone else has been kind of average. Um, so I don't really, you know, 
I, I guess you could say the Phoenix Suns as well. Six and one record, best point differential in the NBA through seven games. So uh, they might be a team as well. But, um, you know, we've seen how they go. So I don't think anything's been too surprising, anything too expected here. Um, kind of just, you know, getting through it and seeing where we are. But, uh, you know, the Clippers obviously, not to, not to ramble, but the Clippers obviously – uh, four and four record. Feel it feels like if you were just monitoring on Twitter, it feels like they're two and twelve. Uh, but I mean, you could probably go into more detail on your opinion on that. But um, yeah, it's four and four. It's not the end of the world. You know, they've looked so far, beating the Rockets twice. Um, a few winnable matchups, I, I would say, coming up. So um, a good chance for them to, to to put together some 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 good games, develop some rhythm, some chemistry, and uh, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like four and four, like just watching. It does not feel like four and four. It feels, I mean, it it feels like they've won two games. Like you you said it, like it feels like they've won two games. They just, it's not a great brand of basketball being played. However, that doesn't really matter if you're still somehow winning games and you're still winning half your games while you're playing terribly, even against teams that are perceived to be awful teams. Um, the Clippers are 29th in offensive rating. Uh, they have a 101.9 offensive rating. The only team worse than them is the Los Angeles Lakers who are at 100.8. Just in case you want like any idea of how bad those two teams have been offensively. The team in 28th is the Houston Rockets and they're at 105.1. They're 3.2 points per hundred possessions better than the Clippers are. And the team above them is Oklahoma city above Houston is Oklahoma city who are 3.1 points per hundred possessions better than Houston. So it's like the Clippers are further from 28th than 28th is from 27th offensively, which should tell people how bad the Clippers have been offensively. And so you're probably like, well, how are they winning? How have they won half their games? Well, their defense is fourth. They have a 106.3 defensive rating. That's good for fourth in the NBA. Uh, only Milwaukee, the Lakers and Cleveland have better defensive ratings. And I remember I, I tweeted this out. I want to say Wednesday, but the Clippers are four and four. And before the game tonight, like the other four teams in the bottom five of offensive rating were like a combined, uh, like six and 27 and the Clippers were four and four. And those teams were a combined six and 27 and all of them have bad offenses, which should kind of tell you how good the Clippers defense has been despite the awful offense. And you got to start to think the offense is going to come around, especially when they start making threes. But also I think the elephant in the room that needs to be talked about is we haven't seen Kawhi Leonard since the game against the Phoenix Suns, the home opener on October 23rd. It's been like 10 days. We haven't seen him. Uh, people are justifiably, unjustifiably freaking out about the fact that they've said he has knee stiffness and they're, they're classified on the injury report as uh, injury management for his right knee. Um, so yeah, the offense just isn't going to look great when Kawhi's not playing. It didn't look great last year when Kawhi wasn't playing so, or didn't play all the last year. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a, of, of a tough go of it. And I kind of think that until Kawhi gets back on the floor, it's going to be, it's going to be rough to watch at times. Uh, I don't know how it's not going to be rough. Um, just because, I think we've seen the small ball lineup suffer the most. I think when you look at the small ball lineup specifically, uh, those were, you know, I think the team kind of went into the season with the idea that 
no center men small ball lineup because small ball lineup meant Kawhi Leonard to be available and healthy. And so far, he really has not been. I think part of it's probably just that return to action, uh, kind of, you know, body getting, getting used to, to that action again. I think, I think you know, by the time he actually started missing games after that Phoenix series, it had been about a month of just, um, you know, tr- between training camp, uh, the travel to Seattle, to Vegas, whatever it is, back. Um, it was about a month in total of him, you know, getting back in action. So I think that's not something that's really too expect unexpected. Uh, but not not to really compare because we don't know what's going on there. Obviously, Kawhi the surgery, but um, you know, Ben Simmons is dealing with some stiffness and soreness in his knee right now, or swelling in his knee right now after he, you know, obviously missed a whole year. Um, his first kind of return was also during camp, and and he's been working his way back. So I don't think it's anything too unexpected. Uh, but again, the Clippers have kind of suffered because they expected to have small ball lineups featuring guys like Kawhi and Robert Covington and uh, Marcus Morris. And, you know, Marcus has missed a few games for personal reasons, uh, Robert Covington due to COVID, Kawhi due to his knees. So uh, small ball doesn't really work without three of the best small ball players you have. Um, those, those, I mean, those two might, those three might be the top three alongside PG and Nico. So like you, you really have to have those guys. So, uh, hard to really see and gauge where they are without that. But, uh, I mean, the upside of that is Zubats, Ivica Zubats had to play a lot more minutes, and he has looked fantastic in those minutes. Um, so I think, you know, it's not really surprising, but I think it is something that is definitely a welcome sight. So um, I think where they've kind of suffered on the small ball side, they've seen that Zu can really handle uh, big minutes and a big workload on the offensive end and defensive end, and just a big minutes workload is what I'm trying to say. So if you go off of cleaning the glass, um, if you if you just take Zubats and Moses Brown off the floor, so essentially if the Clippers just don't have a center on the floor, which Moses Brown has only played like 24 minutes all season, including a very great 12 minutes in the second half against the Houston Rockets in Houston on Wednesday night, that kind of salvaged that game for them and allowed them to at least stop the bleeding without Zoo on the floor. Um, so without a seven footer on the floor with Zubots and Moses Brown on the bench, cleaning the glass has the Clippers so far in the small ball lineups, mind you, minus 9.1 points per hundred possessions, which is absolutely horrific. Their offense in that time is 98 and a half points per hundred possessions. That's just, it's, it's very bad. It's, uh, it's just really bad. I, I, I literally don't know how it's explained to say it's bad over and over. Like, their small ball offense, their small ball lineups, defense, rebounding in small ball lineups has been utterly atrocious. And, you, you know, we could talk ad nauseum about Kawhi, but like not having Robert Covington, who is kind of de, de facto their backup center, is a major blow to them. But the Kawhi news is much more of a blow. And I, you know, when you hear knee stiffness, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little worrisome. But, and call me crazy here, man. I'm a little optimistic right now. Is that weird? Uh, I mean, when you look at the things that have been said as far as Kawhi getting better, as far as the roster move to move move Norman Powell to the bench to prepare him for his upcoming role when Kawhi comes back, um, you know, just being around him and seeing that his spirits aren't necessarily down. He he looks, you know, normal and kind of upbeat. Um, I, I think that gives you reason for some optimism, you know, and maybe at least, at least, at least a reason not to be pessimistic, if anything. So, 
um yeah i mean i'm I'm not really too too um too worried about it at the moment i think it's safe to say that um they plan to have him return uh i mean they're working on him so they, they're going to try to have him return we'll see how that works out for them but um yeah i think right now that's probably um i i i think there's a, i think he'll be back within a few weeks and i know that sounds scary to some people but um, I think they're really going to work on his knee and make sure that he's, he's fit for this kind of long stretch of games and the workload that he's going to have. And um, once they get that in order, he will come back and be able to play, probably still in a, in a limited fashion, but he'll be able to play again. And I think that's just the most important part. Seeing Kawhi on the court is going to be beneficial. So It reminds me a little bit of the Marcus Morris stuff where like Marcus played the first two games of last year and then had to sit for a month with like knee tendonitis which he has like recurring bouts of knee tendonitis. Um, but Marcus got a full off season this year and looks fantastic. Marcus has been actually like, I, I think has flown under the radar for a lot of people. Marcus is averaging 15, like just to put this in perspective, Marcus is averaging 15 points per game this year through, uh, through his first six games. The team's played eight games, but he's only played six because he had to miss a couple games due to personal reasons. He's averaging 15 points per game on a 62 true shooting percentage, which is really freaking good. And I feel like they're asking a lot of him during some of these offensive possessions like they did last year. And he's delivering. He looks like he has more lift. He's already dunked twice this year. He had no dunks last year. I remember on media day this year, he told us that he wants to actually get back to dunking. Well, he's doing that. Um, But going back to Kawhi, his knee stiffness, at least what's going on with him, reminds me of the Marcus stuff where he missed a month and then he came back and you're just like, oh, okay. Like, like I guess he just had to kind of get his knee back into shape. I kind of view it like that until there's a reason to not view it like that. I know that sounds like I'm just being wholly optimistic, but until there's a reason to think it's anything more than what they're saying, my thought process is it's a lot like what Marcus went through. He's, he pushed it too soon maybe and his knee didn't respond in the best way but structurally it's fine and he just has to work it back into rhythm of what it requires on an on a day-to-day basis to you know to play a nba schedule he's obviously never going to play a full nba schedule he's never i would be stunned if Kawhi leonard ever plays in both sets of a back-to-back ever again so i kind of think this is the way for him to manage the workload to be able to play on the knee for at least the next few years and potentially longer. So until there's a reason to, to freak out, I'm pretty optimistic that he, he will probably return. In my opinion, there's no sourcing on this. In my opinion, I think Kawhi will return within the next month. I would probably put it closer to four weeks than I would to two at this point. Yeah. I mean, a month, a month sounds like a lot, but. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he returned within a month or about a month. But I, I would be surprised if he didn't return within that time period. Yeah, I would I would be surprised. So, I mean, I think we also have to talk about Paul George because Kawhi and PG have always felt like a package deal to me. Like you can't talk about one without the other. And PG to start this season, and, and I do think this is fair to talk about, he did not start the season well. His first five games played, he missed a game in Oklahoma City. They lost one of the, they lost both games in Oklahoma City. He missed the first Oklahoma City game due to, due to an illness. So through his first five games, PG was averaging 19 points on 38.8% shooting, which is not good. 
Um, there's no really no other way to say it. it's just not good. It's not to the level that he knows he should play at. But then you look at the last two games. He goes 35 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, six steals, two blocks against Houston in a win at home. Then two nights later in Houston, goes for 28 points, four rebounds, five assists, and a steal. Uh, he makes 50% of his shots in that game. Over the last two games, PG's averaging 31.5 points, 6.5 assists, 6.5 rebounds, 3.5 steals, and a block on 54% shooting. Do I think PG is going to keep that up all year? No, of course not. But this is what the Clippers need out of him. They need a guy to be who's going to be consistently there taking shots. And I think when we talk about PG, the number one thing has to be, for the love of God, man, take like 20 shots in a game. Like I know you and I have talked about this off the off air, but aggressive PG, even if he's missing, I can live with that. Yeah, I mean, of anyone on this team, uh, look if you if you go out yourself and call if you go out there and call yourself one A one B whatever you want to call that, um, you just can't be putting up twelve shots in a game that Kawhi doesn't play. Um, I, I I think I think I, I think a large a large contingent a large group of this fan base would agree that. PG taking under 20 shots in a game Kawhi doesn't play is disappointing. Unless he's shooting like 18 free throws in that game. Um, he should be putting up shots. He's When he gets the volume, he's always been a pretty good um, scorer, a really good shooter. Um, I think the biggest issues for him come when he comes when he starts to over-dribble um, in certain situations around that, you know, that um, high post area. I think he gets a lot of turnovers there. A lot of people reach it and kind of just poke the ball away from him. So, um that's kind of the troublesome part, but as far as the shooting, I mean, when he puts up the shots, more times than not, he, they end up winning. They play well. So uh, I think I looked at that stat. I think when when I look up how much in the games that he takes twenty five or more field goals, in the way in the games that he shoots twenty or more field goals, they win about sixty percent of those games, sixty six percent of those games. Um, so that's just going to be key, especially if Kawhi is not going to be out. If Kawhi is not going to be healthy um, for the for the foreseeable future. PG just needs to be aggressive. Um, we know what he can do defensively. Um, we know what he can do as a playmaker. Just got to be a little more careful there. But as a scorer, I think he just he's got to be the guy that puts up 22, 23, 24 shots a night uh, on this kind of team. Yeah, I mean, they can't go through games where he takes 12 shots, takes 11 shots, takes 12 shots. And the last, like the like, you can't have that out of your... I mean, for lack of a better word, that's that's your number one guy now. Like Kawhi's not playing right now. That's your number one guy. You can't have your number one guy who just goes out there and is kind of not going through the motions, but isn't being aggressive enough to generate stuff for not only himself, but kind of get stuff going for others. Like that is at at the crux of it all, that is the biggest thing is if PG is aggressive, it opens up the floor for everybody else to have better shots because of the things that he can do, like getting to the rim or being a pick and roll ball handler, or even as a spot up shooter, or even as a decoy in action. Like he, he, he has to stay aggressive, even on nights where he feel like, feels like he doesn't have it. Um, but real quick, I want to run a number by you that might actually blow your mind. You ready? Okay. 74 minutes have been spent this season with Paul George Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard on the floor together. Okay. 74 minutes, those three on the floor together. That's over five games, by the way. So 74 minutes over five games, PG Mook and Luke all on the floor together. 
What would you guess their net rating is? PG Muck, Muck and Luke. Yeah, 74 minutes. What would you guess their net rating? Yeah, and, I'll, and I'll give you a hint. It's positive, so it's not like it's a negative net rating. I mean, those three have arguably been some of their best players outside of Zubat, so. Uh, I'll say a net rating of about 13.2. Should probably double it because it's 25.6. Wow. They're those outscoring three are, in teams. those three lineups? In those three, and, and when those three are on the floor together in 74 minutes, when Paul George, Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard on the floor together, 74 minutes, Clippers have a plus 25.6 net rating. They have a 91.9 defensive rating and a 117.4 offensive rating. Um, it's 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 kind of staggering, to be honest. Uh, and a lot of that's over the last two games against Houston where they've started pretty well and they look great. Like, obviously, like that helps. But I also think there's something there. Like you're you're putting Paul George on the floor with two probably your two best shooters alongside him, and right. able to space the floor there. So I kind of think that with PG on the floor, that has to be kind of what like the game plan has to be is PG needs to be on the floor, and if he's on the floor, he's got to be surrounded by shooters. I'm not gonna say it's like LeBron, like prime LeBron in Cleveland kind of status, but like similar like you need to have shooting around pg because he can he can get to the rim and to accentuate what he does well you need shooting to space the floor for him to do that and also allow him to do everything else that he wants to do like catch and shoot you know even take pull up threes you know play in the post or the elbow in the mid-range stuff like that like like it opens up everything for him you know what i'm saying right yeah um i'm interested to see uh if if they're if their big lineup with Zoo is sustainable, because he he he's been playing really well, I just have a feeling they they really have to be careful not to overwork him, especially early in the year. I think either you asked him a question or I asked him a question, but I forgot who it was. But um, it's been hard for them not to overplay Zoo because I know they want to play small. I think maybe it was the other night where he finally said, "We can't play small right now. We 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 don't look good." Um, but their small ball lineup has been really awful, and Zoo. I I don't have the number in front of me, but in front, as far as his minutes per game, um, what is he at? Maybe twenty eight per game this season. He's at twenty eight point eight. He's basically at twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah, I mean that that's that would easily be a career high. That's four minutes higher than his previous career high, which is last year. So, um, I would just be interested to see if they can keep if if they can keep playing him, but not overworking him. If that makes sense, because. That's a, that's a heavy workload for him. Is all I'm saying. It's a heavy workload. So um, we know what they can do with some of the other lineups, but I think especially because PG missed a lot of last year, Kawhi missed all of last year. Um, I I want to see what they can do with those two together and Zoo out on the court because that's a really good defensive trio right there, um, all around the court. So I'd be I, I know that was a little different from what you were mentioning, but I, I'd be curious to see what they can do. I mean. To be fair, I did want to talk about Luke Luke and Zoo uh, briefly because I do think they go together. I think Zoo and, and, and Luke really do go together because they have probably, outside of Marcus, probably been the two most crucial players so far. And I know that sounds crazy because PG's had three great games, you know, out of the seven that he's played. But it's also like you end up looking at this whole thing and you end up realizing that with Luke on the floor, the Clippers look incredible. Uh, in the 196 minutes, 
that Luke Kennard has been on the floor. The Clippers are plus 16.7 points per hundred possessions compared to when he's been sitting on the bench. Uh, so as a reminder, he's played 196 minutes. Kennard sat for 188 minutes. So that should give that should give people some idea into the fact he's basically had 50-50 uh, minute split during that time. Um, and their offensive rating is like seven points better per hundred with, with Luke on the floor. You know, we've talked about Luke, Mook, and PG together. Um, I think the other thing is Luke's also not shooting a lot of threes. He's only taken about four three-point attempts per game, which kind of speaks to the team just not taking a lot of threes. They're 20... They're 25th in three-point attempts per game, which is not great. And it's down from where they were last year. But he unlocks everything. And what we the, the biggest thing that we've seen out of Luke this year, he is driving more. And in talking with some people around the team, you know, it wasn't to be expected that Luke would start driving to the rim more, but he's adapted to teams closing out on him harder. So he's attacking closeouts, getting to the rim, uh, trying to make plays that way. And you know what? That's a welcome addition. That's something the team needed because the alternative is guy closes out on Luke. Luke just swings the ball around the perimeter. And all of a sudden it's like, you're just stuck taking bad threes, you know, with where the defense doesn't have to move from side to side, but by attacking closeouts, you force defenses to move and yada, yada, yada. So I think Luke's been great. Zoo's been incredible with his rebounding, his interior presence on defense. He's averaging two and a half blocks a game. That's, that's in, incredible for him. Um, I don't know how much longer, and this sounds bad, but I don't mean it to be in like a negative way. I don't know how much longer they can keep relying on these guys to play at this level while other guys try to figure it out. Like Norm has been bad. Reggie's been bad. John Wall's had moments, but has had a couple games where it's not looked great. Um, you know, Nico isn't playing a ton. Terrence isn't playing a ton yet. Uh, Amir's been getting spot minutes here and there. But guys need to figure it out, and the team needs to start making threes, or else I don't know how long their defense can carry them and keep them above water. Well, I mean, last year they did have a really good team defense, and, and I don't think they had – any you know one stopper uh I, I would say last year so um which by the way shout out to dan craig right um he's kind of been handling that uh and doing a fantastic job of it so like i don't i don't know that them you know some of the other guys not playing up to up to the level they're supposed to is, is really hurting them yet obviously offensively it is um well i should take that back it is hurting them yes i just think it's sustainable defensively because we've seen it be sustainable last year, the year before that. Um, doesn't matter who's in the lineup. This team has a good overall team defense. Um, I don't know if you went to the, to the numbers yet of their defensive rating as a team right now. I think you said that they were, what, fourth or something like that, right? They're fourth, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that that, that feels like just having a good overall team defense. Maybe a bit of that is teams, you know, getting a little lucky, missing some threes against them, missing some open shots against them. But, um, you know, the, the, they they've overall like really had a good team defense for the last couple of years. So I don't really have any concerns about that being sustainable until I actually see it be unsustainable. Uh, if that makes sense, because I, I, I just, they haven't given me any reason to believe it's not sustainable. Uh, at least not yet. That being said, I don't think you want to test that out. I think you want to get your guys back. I think you got, you want to get your guys playing in, 
in, in, in a good rhythm and a good flow um, in, in, you know, in the system and, and everything. So um, I think it's sustainable, but I, I would also like to see guys like Norm, guys like Reggie, uh, guys like John Wall, uh, you know, just, just find that buy-in um, run, run, run the, you know, run the sets that they're supposed to be running. Um, not, you know, try, oh, keep commu- communicating more on defense. So there's no, you know, any of those backdoor cuts or over rotation that lead to corner threes, whatever it is, like none of those little lapses. I think those little lapses that, that kind of, you know, kill them or the, the kind of backbreaking plays. Those are the ones that um, you, you can try to really get rid of early. Um, but as far as your defense being sustainable, I, I think it can be. I'll give you a number uh, before we go here um, about their defense. Uh, the Clippers were giving up 20 three-point attempts per game that are deemed as wide open. A wide open three-point attempt is with a defender at least six feet away from the guy shooting the ball. So on wide open threes, the Clippers are given up 20 wide open three-point attempts per game. That is the third most in the NBA behind Minnesota and New York. However, teams are only shooting 34.4% on those which is the fourth lowest mark in the NBA. You could take that one of two ways. Number one, the shooters the Clippers are leaving open are not good shooters, most likely by design for the Clippers to give bad to give bad shooters more shots, essentially, like you're playing a numbers game. The other aspect to look at is the Clippers might be getting a little bit lucky here by guys not drilling a higher percentage of threes. But on the flip side, the Clippers are also not making a lot of their own threes So I kind of don't really know how else to look at it other than there's probably a lot of variance that's about to come into play and a lot of regression and a lot of, um, I guess for lack of a better term, just fairness coming back to the world in terms of like three point shooting, because you, you look at what the Clippers have done this year on wide open threes and it's pretty bad. They've led the NBA in wide open three point percentage the last two years This year, they're shooting 32.3%, which is the second worst mark on wide open threes in the NBA. They're shooting lower on wide open threes than their opponents are, and their opponents are not even shooting that well on them. So something at some point has to give. There's going to be a game where both them and their opponent make a ton of threes, and that game's going to seem like we walked into the ABA and it's going to be glorious. I feel like I'm watching 2004 Detroit Pistons basketball. And while I did love that era of the Detroit Pistons in the NBA, it, I, I don't want to go back to that. It was absolutely not great on a nightly basis. We've moved past the need for that type of basketball. I mean, that Rockets, that Rockets Clippers game, uh, the first one, which was Monday, what, 95, yeah. 93 final. I mean, that felt like a grinded out just I don't even know if it was bad offense. I think it was. I think it was just just solid defense for the most part. But Clippers had some good looks. But that that was just a grind of a game. That was brutal. That was absolutely brutal. I don't know if you saw my tweet up from Wednesday, but the Clippers are two and three in games with when they post an offensive rating under one hundred, which is like if you can't hit a hundred points per hundred possessions, you're just an absolutely all time grotesque offense. But they're two and three in games when their offensive rating is under 100. The rest of the NBA is one and 21. And the only win was the Milwaukee Bucks over the Philadelphia 76ers the same night that the Clippers beat the Lakers in their opening night game, which was, I believe, October 20th, a Thursday. 
so basically, no team in the NBA has won another game since the Bucks did it literally three days into the season, outside of the Clippers doing it twice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So Clippers basketball, catch the fever. It might be, you know, the kind of fever that you have to go to the hospital for, but it's it's a fever dream regardless. And the defense has been good. So while I do think there will be some regression to the mean defensively, I also think there will be regression to the mean offensively. So, you know, maybe it happens Friday night in San Antonio, you know, where maybe on the river walk, the Clippers just start drilling threes. So who knows? You think they win that game? You think they beat the Spurs? I think they beat the Spurs. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Kelvin Johnson's the only guy that scares me, but I think I think the Clippers should win that game. I I, I, don't, I don't know. I know. Devin Vassell's back. Pirtle's been playing okay. I don't know. I just feel like a game they should win. That being said, they do struggle playing in San Antonio. So, yeah. And the basketball nerd in me is very excited for Zubats Pirtle. That's going to be a great matchup. I mean, Pirtle Zubat sounds like a like Pokemon. Purtle Zubats. Purtle, you're you're Yaka Purtle involved in 200 beats of Zubats. <laughs> there, there, yeah, there you go. All right, buddy. Yeah. I'm ready to get out of here. You ready to get out of here? Uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun doing this again. All right, people. We'll be back in a few days. Uh, Tomer and I are going to go uh, have fun on Call of Duty, raging and wondering why we're even doing anything ever with our lives, like playing Call of Duty rather than, 100%. I don't know, staring out a window. Uh, buddy it's, fun talking clips, it's been though. fun yeah the, the, this season already feels like three years old doesn't it it's just oh yeah i'm, I'm at about grind. four for me yeah yeah absolutely. yeah it's had a grind buddy all right people we'll be back soon everybody take it easy stay safe we'll talk to you later